1: Hello, and welcome to another live edition of What Catholics Believe. I'm your host, Thomas Nagley, and with me tonight is Father William Jenkins. He is a traditional Catholic priest of the Society of St. Pius V, and he also serves as the pastor of Immaculate Conception Church right here in Norwood, Ohio. Hello, Father. How are you tonight? Very
0: fine, Tom. Thank you. Yourself?
1: Just the same, Father. Great Good. to be here.
0: Good to see you there. Yes.
1: Uh, any prayer requests, as usual, Father, for me? As
0: always, uh, I'll have, again, thousands of people. Asking for prayers, and they uh, direct their questions, uh, requests for prayers to us, because they know that we pray, and we, all our visit, our viewers pray to us. So please continue prayers for Young Blaze, and also for uh, Joseph, uh, an adult gentleman, uh, grandfather, and uh, quite ill, and also uh, for uh, Mister Bernie. Um, I guess no. I'm mentioning Bernie Kunkel's name. He's so well-known. Uh, please keep him in your prayers. He's recovering from a heart attack. And um, we pray recovering, recovering well. And so many other good souls we know who are in need. Uh, Donna uh, fighting her bout with cancer and heart problems right now. So many other g- really good souls who need our prayers that God will give them the grace to persevere and hopefully even, uh, even heal recover. Pray for that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Last to pray for.
0: Yeah, there are many others too, praying for conversions. And um, I just came from a, a meeting of our students. It's been a few years since we were able to go to Rome. Yep. Try to take them to Rome to see what's there, take them right back to the roots, the catacombs, even the very place, the bones of St. Peter, the body of St. Peter was buried the night he was put to death under uh, the Vatican, that is under the high altar of St. Peter's Basilica. And uh, so they're trying to raise money for this trip. If anyone is willing to help, please uh, go ahead and lend us a hand because, well, it might be the last opportunity we have to go. We see the way things are going in the in the world today. And, um, well, we, ne- we never knows how much how long the window of window opportunity will be there Uh, so it gives them lifelong memories and uh, one thing about our our group that goes we don't go simply as a trip as tourists we go as pilgrims and everywhere we go we pray we first thing we do we walk into a church we uh, before the cameras come out the rosary comes out we pray a decade of the rosary everywhere we go and we pray for our benefactors who managed to make it possible for us to go there. So we have all the students who go, and uh, they're praying throughout the day for the benefactors who helped them to uh, to make that pilgrimage. It's only right that they do that, mm-hmm. and they uh, they do it most gladly. So if anybody would like to help them, I'm sure that uh, they'd be very richly rewarded uh, by the prayers of students uh, in gratitude. Mm-hmm. There we go.
1: Okay, well, Father, I thought uh, maybe, perhaps we could uh, begin tonight's program on a spiritual note, because um, we we just mentioned uh, just in passing, last program that we uh, recently celebrated the feast day of the Immaculate Conception, mm-hmm. of the Blessed Virgin Mary. That's um, our, uh, our our patiental feast here at Immaculate Conception Church and Immaculate Conception Academy, but uh, also. The, uh, the patronal feast day of the entire United States of America. So it's a very, <clears throat> very special day for us. But um, Father, any any uh, words that you could offer us on the, uh, we're still within the octave of the, the feast day of the Immaculate Conception. It's a, a holy day of obligation here in the United States. Um, why, why is this such a, a special occasion for us, Father, the, the feast of the Immaculate Conception?
0: Well, our, our nation was Dedicated as a as a nation to the Immaculate Conception of Our Blessed Mother, and um, the bishops of America, when they were Catholic bishops, uh, actually solemnly dedicated our country, the United States of America, to Our Lady, under the title of the Immaculate Conception, and uh, the Great Cathedral in Washington. Um, obviously, it uh, well. It's a kind of a hodgepodge of styles, and, uh, but the National Cathedral uh, for Catholics is dedicated, again, to the Immaculate Conception of Our Lady. So we have a special affinity, uh, a, spe- a special affinity for Our Lady under that title of the Immaculate Conception. Uh, here in Cincinnati, though, we have even a more unique uh, relationship with Our Lady. Back in the 1850s, Uh, The Catholic Church was very intensely persecuted here in Cincinnati. Uh, There is a a community actually uh, called Marymount, uh, which was established by an anti-Catholic woman uh, who was behind the establishment of that community. She was very well-to-do. And uh, she made it actually forbidden to have a Catholic Church within the the, uh, territory of that community. Um, the early Cincinnati was heavily Lutheran and uh, very much influenced by the Masons, and Catholics were treated very very poorly. Um, the The earliest Catholic missionary efforts into this part of the uh, what is now America actually uh, would center around Kentucky, um, and uh, Cincinnati was at best a mission. In fact, we have a copy of a newspaper ad from a uh, Catholic physician who lived here in Cincinnati, reaching out, trying through an ad in the newspaper to make contact with other Catholics. Um, That shows you what a rarity Catholics were. And his purpose in trying to, uh, through the newspaper, reach other Catholics was to get a, a number of Catholics who could then petition for a priest to come and reside in Cincinnati. We're talking about the early eighteen hundreds though. So, uh, and, and as I say, already as late late into the eighteen uh, forties and eighteen fifties, the Catholic Church was treated very, very badly, and Catholics were treated very badly in the Cincinnati area, such that the Bishop of Cincinnati in the early fifties, eighteen fifties, asked a missionary priest. He was a an associate. Uh, Father DeSmet, the great uh, Jesuit missionary out in uh, the the Pacific Northwest, uh, asked, what do I have to do in order to gain peace for my Catholic people in Cincinnati? And uh, the priest, he asked, this missionary priest, had a reputation for being, well, a very holy man and uh, even perhaps a bit of a mystic. And uh, he said, well, there are three things you must do. He said, you you have to... uh, Cultivate devotion to the Immaculate Conception of Our Lady. Uh, you have to ask your priests every year to offer the votive mass of the Immaculate Conception, in honor of Our Lady's Immaculate Conception, and you have to, as a diocese, petition the Holy See. You know, that time was Pope Pius IX, who was the Pope to define the dogma of the Immaculate Conception. So this was this was clearly before eighteen fifty four. The bishop here at the time did all three of those things. He promoted the devotion to the Immaculate Conception of Our Lady. He uh, told the priests, "I want you to offer the votive mass of Our Lady's Immaculate Conception in honor of the of the mystery of Mary, Immaculately Conceived." And uh, the entire diocese is going to, um, as a diocese, petition Pope Pius IX to define the dogma. And sure enough, uh, in 1854, very quickly actually, thereafter, uh, the dogma was defined by Pope Pius IX. Uh, it was defined in uh, the great concourse of cardinals and bishops who had gathered at the newly built uh, Basilica, Archbasilica of St. Paul's outside the walls. And it was a very grand event. Very grand event, and no doubt about it. And uh, news traveled throughout the world. The Catholics thoroughly rejoiced everywhere, especially here in the United States. And it was a turning point. It was a turning point for the the, uh, status of the Catholic faith, the Catholic religion, the Catholic church here in Cincinnati. Because from that moment on, uh, the church went from being a hounded, persecuted minority reaping great harvests of converts, uh, <coughs> Catholic churches, magnificent Catholic churches were you know, constructed, um, including our own, you know, the former St. Matthews, and um, of course St. Elizabeth's, and uh, here also in Norwood, uh, the Nova Ordo, unfortunately, has been selling these churches off, um, yeah. mostly to Protestants or secular purposes um which is what they would rather do but um nonetheless i mean these churches existed because uh by the grace of god um the catholic church saw a great flowering here um notably here in the cincinnati area and it was directly attributable to, to the spread of the devotion to mary's immaculate conception um if you if you read the divine office that the priests pray each day. But you you read that for the Feast of the Immaculate Conception and the octave afterwards, where, where we are right now, in fact. <coughs> uh, you find there the tributes of ancient writers uh, praising Our Lady. And you see that in the early church there was a tremendous devotion to our Blessed Mother. And uh, that there was the Firm belief in her Immaculate Conception. The fact that it was defined in 1854 does not mean that it wasn't believed in before then. It means it was believed in so firmly uh, that it didn't need to be defined. Uh, it was only in 1854 that, uh, again, uh, the Church found it necessary to define the dogma um, to silence all uh, negative voices that were coming against Our Lady after the Protestant Revolution. So in any case, um, we here in Cincinnati in particular, but our entire nation owes a debt of gratitude, uh, love and devotion to our Blessed Mother under the title of the Immaculate Conception. And we also have to look to that mystery of Mary immaculately conceived. As we pray, O oh Mary conceived without sin, pray for us who have requested thee. Uh, that should be our daily prayer. We have to look to Our Lady under that title and as that mystery we have to look to Our Lady for this, the rescue of our country right now. Uh, especially now. We have to look to her. Um, you know, when uh, the Blessed Mother appeared to St. Bernadette in Lourdes, in Lourdes, France, France uh, at massabiel it was in 1858, just four years after the Church defined the dogma. Of the Immaculate Conception, our Blessed Mother appeared to a peasant girl, she was 13 years old, 14 years old, uh, unlettered, I don't know if she could even read, and uh, Our Lady appeared to her, and when uh, Bernadette asked, you know, who are you, who are you, who are you, Our Lady said in the patois, the, the dialect of the area, which Bernadette spoke her native tongue, our Lady said, I am the Immaculate Conception, which is very telling, you know. It's just that we you think of Mary as a, as a person, a peasant girl growing up in Nazareth, a little village in Palestine, and she is a distinct person, and she was conceived as an individual person. But she's so much more than that. I mean, she is like a veritable institution as the mother of God, you know, and she's... Uh, Uh, Her vocation uh, towers above every other vocation because of who her son is, our our Lord and Savior, uh, her son and her God. So, um, And she was his handmaid always, uh, not only from the earliest days of her life, but from the first moment of her existence. She she was there uh, absolutely to serve by her purity, uh, her immaculate heart was there and she preserved her heart immaculate throughout her life so we uh we have a very powerful advocate in heaven uh we the united states of america we have to turn to her now Mm -hmm. with a lot of confidence and and, uh devotion Mm
1: -hmm. father what uh what are some things that the catholics can do to cultivate a devotion to our lady under this title and how how is uh devotion to Our Lady as the Immaculate Conception, how is that different than any other um, form of of devotion to Our Lady, say to her Immaculate Heart? What is the the difference when we're talking about Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception? Mm.
0: Well, the the mystery of the Immaculate Conception is a unique title, uh, and it um, actually speaks of a, a unique privilege of Our Lady. When we talk about Our Lady's Immaculate Heart, you might think, well, okay, that sort of covers the Immaculate Conception, doesn't it? And the answer is no. Uh, we see privileges accorded Our Lady, and they're not rights, of course, they're privileges. She had no right to these things. She didn't earn them. Rather, God bestowed those privileges upon her in light of her vocation to be the mother of the Savior. And uh, she earned them only in, in the sense that she used those privileges to serve God perfectly. And so, uh, you know, there, there are certain privileges that we, we are given that we in no way deserve, in no way earn, um, except that we show that we were a good choice, a good investment for those privileges. By the way, we take them and use them well and serve God with them. It's the only way we can even justify our own life. I mean, life itself is a privilege given to us by God, and we cannot in any way be considered be worthy of that <laughs> except for the fact that we live our loves well, we serve God well, we save ourselves, we glorify him in heaven. Only in that sense can we, after the fact of having been given life, prove ourselves worthy of having been given life, you know, worthy in that sense. And so it was with Our Lady, these privileges were given to her in light of her unique vocation as the mother of the Savior. Uh, the mother of uh, the one who would give God his humanity to be the savior of mankind um, and Our Lady uh, earned those we might say not de condigno in the sense that she earned them uh, but uh, she showed herself worthy of them uh, de congro in the sense that she used these privileges precisely for the reason that God gave them to her as gifts and she took these gifts that God gave her and she returned them to him. Uh, you might even say a hundredfold in a sense because she, she multiplied the graces that she received. Uh, I was just told by a certain scholar of uh, Cornelius de, I think it was he said, that uh, each moment of Our Lady's existence she doubled the graces that were provided. <laughs> uh, sort of a geometric regression throughout her entire life. She was full of grace, always. But that grace increased, 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 moment by moment in her life because she continually cooperated fully every single moment. And that cooperation of one moment increased the grace of the next moment. So um, we, um, we see that in the Immaculate Conception, though, we see that the fundamental privilege that came from the overriding uh, privilege, the greatest privilege of all to be the mother of the Savior, her vocation. All the other privileges are subordinated to that and actually caused by that. Because she was called to be the mother of the Savior, because she accepted that role uh, wholeheartedly (laughs) and placed herself at the service of this divine plan, Um, God, in fact, you might even say, previously anticipated her answer and conceiving her without sin so that she would be like the new Garden of Eden in which uh, God would create the new man, as St. Paul calls him, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, God recreating uh, humanity uh, in 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 a garden where there was perfect order and Our Lady represented that uh, she truly was the uh, the enclosed garden that the prophet speaks of, and where all was in order. And so that was the beginning. That was the beginning. After you know, in light of her overall vocation, that was the beginning of the privileges. The beginning of the graces came at that very moment of her conception. And so we we find that in Our Lady there was such a uh, a unique event that someone was conceived in the world who was an enemy of satan never an ally of satan never an a, an adversary or uh, an offender of god but a soul the first soul since god created adam and eve who came into the world in the state of his grace and with the divine life in her soul that was a unspeakably great turning point in human history, that there was such a person who was, whose soul was created in that condition, and everything followed from that. Um, I mean, her entire life, you might say, well, Our Lady couldn't earn the, the graces necessary to become the mother of God, clearly. She was given the privilege to be con- in actually conceived, but by the time it came for the angel Gabriel to come to her, to to present this divine plan to her, of her conception of the Son of God, um, she had already lived those years of her life cooperating with the grace of God. And she'd already advanced so far in the spiritual life and gained so many, many graces that when the time came that that presentation, that, that you might say, proposal from God that came through the angel Gabriel. Our Lady was in a state of such a spiritual perfection already at that time that um, uh, that uh, you know you, you see this gradual unfolding of the divine plan in such a splendid way. Uh, but but it all it all has to go back to start somewhere in time with um, the mother of the Savior who would give him his humanity. Uh, coming into the world. And uh, that grand moment was the Immaculate Conception. We think about, yes, Mary's Immaculate Heart, she went through an entire life without committing any actual sin. It started with the fact that she was conceived without original sin. You think about all the wonderful things that Lady did during her life. I mean, uh, you know, following our Lord at the cross, standing under the cross, receiving his body, taking the body of Christ to be uh, buried in the tomb. And uh, of course, then knowing about of the resurrection, um, Our Lady was she was part of that, in a way that no one else could be. Um, all of that began with her immaculate conception. That was the key um, that one would come into the world in that in that state of perfection in the eyes of God, um, as it were, to undo undo the damage that Eve had done by the initial temptation. Uh, who was it who said that uh, uh, as as woman was the cause of the fall of man, so man cannot be raised up without without woman. Uh, woman now is necessary to raise him up, and especially, specifically our blessed lady. Um, no, no, we, we honor Our Lady by this title because of that special and unique privilege that was given to her. Um, that was really the turning point in human history mm-hmm. set everything in motion uh, to realize the divine plan okay. when, when our Lord when, when almighty God said to Lucifer in the garden Lucifer had just been the instigator of our downfall I will put enmity between thee and the woman between thee and the woman between her offspring and your offspring and uh prophecy the crushing of, of Satan's head. He was talking about this woman. And uh, this woman well, this the presence of that woman in existence in this world started with the Immaculate Conception. We honor that. We thank God for that moment.
1: That's very very beautiful, Father. Thank you. We're um you say we're still in the octave of that mm-hmm. feast day, so certainly something we can still Celebrating I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the entire month of December is actually um in a certain way dedicated to Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception. So.
0: Well, we can think about it's the month of the the deliverance the birth birth of our Lord, yeah.
1: It's, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, Tom, uh we look at the concentration condition of our country, you look at the condition of the world today, and there are people who uh are very, shall we say, um non optimistic. <laughs> Uh, some people, even uh, on the verge of despair, they look at the world and they say, "This is irretrievable." Now, well, one could have said the same thing after the fall of Adam and Eve, you know, but God had promised that He would send a Redeemer. But you know, you look at the days preceding, the centuries preceding the coming of Our Lady, and you know there are people who would say, "Look, it just goes from bad to worse, doesn't it? Just bad to worse." And um, where is their hope? Where is their hope? And then the Immaculate Conception took place at that appointed time, that appointed place. And you realize God has his plan here. And so we have to keep that in mind. We have the uh, the the knowledge of that truth of Our Lady's Immaculate Conception. We have to look at that and realize, you know, God doesn't need hours, days, centuries. Uh, he needs a moment of cooperation with grace. Um... And he has the power to give that grace, the efficacious grace to accomplish his will. And so in a, in a single instant, in, a, in, a, in a, a billionth, trillionth of a heartbeat, in a trillionth, a trillionth of a heartbeat, I mean, God acts and everything is different, you know. And uh, we have to remember that. God has that power. And... Uh, uh, for his own purposes and his own plans, he will use that power when he knows it is going to accomplish the greatest good. So we just have to be there uh, as it were, uh, at attention, <laughs> as that servant waiting <laughs> for the Master to return. We have to be willing to wait for that. Trust him. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, let's do it. <laughs> okay. well, Father, <clears throat> that's great. Thank you. Uh, um, that Perhaps that... Uh, leads into something a little less edifying that we wanted to uh, make mention of on tonight's program and that was um, just recently this uh, um, news came out that the Cambridge dictionary from uh, from, from Cambridge University they uh, oh, my, my. they updated their definition of both man and woman um, don't have a, uh, a copy of, of the, the previous definition but I can I can read the new. The new definition of, uh, of woman here, I'll just read this to you, Father, and get, get your reaction here. Uh, it says, this again, from the Cambridge Dictionary, uh, under the, the title woman, uh, it reads, quote, an adult who lives and identifies as female, though they may have been said to have a different sex at birth. Father, what do you think of this new definition of a woman?
0: I think it's a, it is an, a manifestation of insanity. Manifestation of insanity. I understand the definition of male now uh, pretty much in the same dictionary follows
1: the same pattern, right? Mm -hmm. A a man, yeah, it's the same thing. An an adult who lives and identifies as a male, though they may have been said to have a different sex. Who
0: lives and identifies as a male. Mm -hmm. Although at birth they might have been considered, doesn't say by whom they might have been considered Mm -hmm. otherwise. Mm -hmm. Um, You know what's kind of interesting about that though? Uh, They just can't get away from it, can they? Uh, You know, nowadays they are talking about, oh, 60, 100, 128 different genders. Mm -hmm. But they all come down to male and female anyway. They can't (laughs) help it. It all comes down to, even, even with the insanity of saying, well, I identify as male or I identify as female. Well, they're still identifying as male and female. They can't get around that, you know. They have to admit. Those are the two genders that God created. And those are the two genders we are by human nature, and there's no... Way we can defeat that, no matter how hard we try or how absolutely idiotic we become, <laughs> we just can't get around reality. Um, but you know, I mean, they 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 soil themselves, they disgrace themselves, they 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 just make themselves disgusting and and uh, um, they make a mockery of themselves. This is what Satan wants us to do, he wants us human beings to make a mockery of ourselves, to play the fool for him. Uh, he wants us to be as his court jesters in hell, the court jesters. And uh, so it is that the, the court jesters of hell are here right now among us. And they're, they're mocking uh, humanity. They're not only irrational, they're anti-rational. It just uh, thrills Satan insofar as he can enjoy anything Uh, to see us uh, he he looks upon it as a mockery of God and uh, we may intend it as a mockery of God sinners do but it's actually a mockery of ourselves God is not mocked Mm -hmm. Um, and there will be hell to pay literally uh, for this uh, self-induced insanity that's what sin does though I mean you know Tom the, the whole world has been taken over by um, well, what can I say? Sexual perverts and deviants—they're the ones who are actually behind all of this. Everything that's happening right now. Uh, I mean, we talk about the World Economic Forum. We talk about the Great Reset. We talk about this. Talk about that. Talk about what's going on in Washington. Talk about what's going on in Berlin. We talk about what's going on in Moscow and so on, uh, and uh, the in Ukraine and so on and so forth. But it's all about that, really. It's all about. The the Billionaires Club and uh, the movers and shakers and um, and, in Hollywood and all the rest—it's all about uh, perversion. They're so perverted. This is what their life is all about. I mean, the idea of seeking um, immortality by drinking the blood of young children—it's a real thing. I mean, this is—I'm not making this up. You know, this is not just Halloween. this is real. I mean, they've determined that uh, you can, the fountain of youth is is flowing through the veins of the young children in their blood, and young children's blood is for sale right now. There's a there's a black market for it for these people to to drink it. All of these satanic rituals and so on, it, they they have a an actual purpose, insofar as uh, you know, engorging themselves oneself on on the, the blood of, of the youth, in order to uh, recapture their own youth. Um, there's a name for it too you might even know it uh, but one can freely research it it's out there, it's, it's the truth, they know it's true the billionaires have been spending millions and millions of dollars looking for the fountain of youth and uh, trying to uh, you know um, increase their lifespans by 50% 100% but they found that really the the, the secret of youth is precisely, they, they've they determined in the blood of children and uh, uh, the, the migrants, I'm, I'm sure the flood of uh, ch- children, migrants coming across the border, are actually involved in that. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein and all of his involvement with the rich and famous, the shakers, movers and shakers of the world. It's all, I'm sure that's all, uh, very much part of it. <coughs> the exploitation of the child children for their own deviant sexual pleasures. Um, they want to turn this world into a hellish playground for themselves, for their sexual deviancy. And anyone who would stand in their way, well, is going to have to be uh, lobotomized, uh, going to have to be enslaved, killed, you know, they have to get out of the way. So as I mentioned before, I mean, the world, uh, in its old old paganism, was one gigantic fertility cult, uh, like an orgy. But... uh, Nowadays, the paganism of today is much more evil, and it has a special character that is the infertility cult it wants to gorge itself on uh, on uh, deviant uh, pleasures uh, at the expense, especially of innocence, to destroy, to to just suck the life out of, out of anything innocent, including its blood, and um, but. It's very anti-life. They want to destroy life because they don't want the responsibility of... The, 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 only, the only life that is going to be tolerated is the life that serves them and serves their pleasures, uh, perpetuating their, their debauchery. Um, that's what their power is for. That's what it's all about. Those who serve their power will be uh, permitted to live, tolerated to live and those who resist their power will will be exterminated annihilated this is what abortion is all about yeah. and it's given rise to the next step is that is if you can exploit children uh, by destroying their lives because they're in your way what's the next logical step well take the children who live and use them right to exploit them alive to serve your purpose and that's where we're going now See why the devotion to Our Lady's Immaculate Conception is so absolutely antithetical to all of these, this perversion. This complete devotion of Our Lady to the, the will of God from the first moment of her conception to be the enemy of Satan. The enemy of Satan is what our Lord called her. I will put empathy between thee and the woman. That's what he said to Satan. And so you see that Immaculate Conception of this one, uh, this one young lady. Uh, this one female of the human race, blessed Mother uh, Mary, uh, designed by God to be the mother of the Savior. A devotion to that Immaculate Conception is key right now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we mm-hmm. have to appreciate the significance of uh, of her Immaculate Conception being defined in the world today, and how we have to. Uh, uh, cultivate that devotion and spread that devotion to others too. Because of all that it implies, it is uh, diametrically opposed to the perversion of the day and the author of that perversion uh, that this this Blessed Mother was always the enemy of Satan, never his ally. She was never under his power, never under his control. And she has enormous power over him. And uh, especially the appeal to Our Lady's Immaculate Conception, um, it, it is like giving Satan a hot foot. It it just drives him wild, because he's the one human being, other than our Lord himself, that Satan has never had any control over, and who, on the other hand, has absolute power over him. You know, we, we read in Sacred Scripture that to, to Satan... Our Lady appears as an army array, uh, arrayed in battle against him, an entire army. We talk about the heavenly hosts, but in sacred scripture, we read a prophecy of Our Lady and her virginal purity uh, to the devil. He is like a, a an army, a celestial army drawn drawn up against him in battle array. We need that now.
1: Mm. Yep. Well, Father, uh, thankfully uh, with Francis in the Vatican, we have someone willing to uh, uphold these truths, being facetious, of course, but uh, uh Tom, to, it's to, Criminally facetious, <laughs> I am <afraid>. to, uh, <laughs> to read something from me here. This is from the uh, actual Vatican website, um, where uh, Francis apparently on uh, December 11th uh, commemorated International Mountain Day, uh, something that was uh, established by the United Nations, I believe some years back, um Francis uh, he, uh, on this International mountain Day, he invited all men and women of goodwill to protect and care for mountains and commented on the theme for this year's observance. quote "Women move mountains unquote. Um, just wanted to read a, a couple couple quotes from Francis here, Father as he commemorates International Mountain Day. Uh, he says it is true women move mountains and this reminds us of the role of women in caring for the environment uh, and preserving the traditions of mountain peoples from mountain people we learn the sense of community to walk together Uh, he says here uh, in regards to women they are often the primary managers of mountain resources guardians of biodiversity keepers of traditional knowledge, custodians of local culture, and experts in traditional medicine. Uh, international, it's from the article on Vatican News website. It says, International Mountain Day 2022 is an opportunity to promote gender equality and therefore contribute to improving social justice, livelihoods, and resilience. Uh, Father, have, uh, you've been celebrating International Mountain Day this year. And uh, celebrating this fact that women move mountains. What do you what do you think about this, Father? International Mountain Day.
0: Well, um, a number of things come to mind <clears throat> with regard to Francis. He's just following a script. I mean, he could have inserted there for um, the mountains. He could have inserted the rainforest and women, you know, preserving the lore of the rainforest and the biodiversity of the rainforest. It's the same old thing he said about the Amazon. Now it's the mountains, okay? I suppose it'll be the oceans next, and maybe the moon uh, next, or who knows, you know? uh, It's the same old blather. In fact, we could could actually uh, have a contest, I think, between Francis and uh, resident Biden. Who can say the least in the most words? Who can use the most words to say the least truth, right? Mm -hmm. Or to express the least reality, what on earth does this have to do? This uh, like international mountains they have to do with women in the mountains, <laughs> and uh, only Francis could make a, a political, make that a political statement. And, you know, uh, I'm sorry. Um, I would think that any woman woman who had any sense who read that would think, well, he's really stretching that to try to. Uh, you know uh make me think he you know he's, he's a champion for women i mean how far out of your way can you go don't patronize me you would think any woman worth her salt would say look francis don't patronize me okay mm, stop okay. it i don't appreciate it it's insulting but um but at the same time i mean it's just more more political blather from a modernist Uh, masquerader uh, who uh, certainly can't even even when he tries it's it's as though he can't talk like a pope just can't talk like a catholic pope Uh, why? because he doesn't have the faith I mean look if somebody if a catholic pope were to be talking about the mountains and he would say okay let's refer it to the gospel where our Lord said that if you had faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, you know, to cast yourself and you could into the sea. But he would tie it to the faith. That faith is, is what is important. Not biodiversity, but faith. When would, would, a Catholic pope would, would see this whole idea of the mountains in terms of the Gospels, in terms of the imagery of faith. That's where he would go. That's exactly where Francis does not go. He's a man of the world. He lives the world. He's of the world. And uh, everything he says, everything that pours out of his mouth, is just the world. Everything. Um, it's all he's got. Right? Yeah. And um, he has no faith whatsoever in any true God. Certainly not the Catholic faith. And it shows in, in, in what he says and, and what he does and what he doesn't do. Um, but I could see, so, you know, taking that idea, okay, today is International Mountains Day, and I would use it as an opportunity to teach the faith. And I would say, well, you know, uh, we know that um, our Lord does refer to the mountains. He uh, even talks about the everlasting hills, the designer of the everlasting hills, right? In the, uh, in the litany of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, referring to the, the one desired of the everlasting hills should come, and that was the Savior. It's, it refers to, back to a prophecy of Jacob to his sons, uh, notably to the son Judah, and uh, refers to the prophecy of the coming of the Savior. We actually refer to that during this time of Advent, even. So it's just so ironic to me that Francis, uh, you know, re- refers to that uh, on December 11th when, you know, we're in the within the octave of the Feast of the, of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. or yeah, I'm mean, sorry, see. the Immaculate Conception, big yeah. friend. And, you know, he makes no reference whatsoever to the real significance of the mountains uh, in sacred scripture Christ or, or Divine Revelation. I mean, it, it's even said of Our Lady, that after the angel Gabriel came to her and said those words to her, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. and Blessed is the fruit of thy womb. um, That the angel told the Blessed Mother about the fact that her kinswoman, Elizabeth, was now six months with child with St. John the Baptist. And so, when the angel departed from her, Our Lady set about going on this First great trek, carrying the child Jesus now within her. Uh, This was the great service, the very first of the great services that she rendered to our Lord, carrying our Lord to John the Baptist for this meeting, the first meeting, as it were, of these two children in the womb, newly conceived our Lord and St. John the Baptist in the womb of his mother, Elizabeth, and our Lady's voice, calling out, bringing in the news of the presence of the the Savior in the womb of Our Lady, informing John the Baptist of the presence of the Savior, of whom he was the forerunner. But it says, the Gospel says about this, that Our Lady hastened into the hill country, Montana. she, She hastened into Montana to take the Christ child to John the Baptist. There's so many th- things that Francis or any man, well, let's put it this way, any man of faith would have thought in thinking of the mountains and relating this to the time of the year we're in. But it doesn't even cross Francis's mind. All he thinks about is geopolitics. All he thinks about is wokeness. That's all that matters. He's pushing the agenda of cultural Marxism in everything he says and does. He is an agent of cultural Marxism. Uh, probably the one of the most if not the most powerful agent of cultural Marxism in the world wokeness and uh this this is who he is, and this is uh everything he does and everything he says is at the surface of this evil anti creative cultural cultural marxism wokeness
1: well uh, father, we had just one other thing that uh, we wanted to mention tonight and that sure how much how deep you want to get into this but um we did perhaps just want to mention this um um it's been all over the news outlets lately with this um prisoner exchange that took place oh. with the um with Brittany Griner, the wnba star and uh she was exchanged in a one-for-one prisoner swap with the uh so-called merchant of, of death this victor victor boot mm-hmm. um Russian arms dealer, one of the most notorious arms dealers in the world. Um, he's been re- referred to as the, the something like the, the single most dangerous man on the face of the earth or something. Uh, merchant of death. Um, he, he was exchanged in a one-for-one prisoner swap uh, with, with Brittany Greiner by our current administration here in the United States. Any uh, thoughts on that, Father?
0: Well, again, it's making a mockery of everything that we stand for. It's making a mockery of our country. I mean, Russia, Russian media has been having a heyday with this, mocking America for this deal, uh, celebrating their victory in getting rid of this NBA star woman, I guess she still identifies as a woman, um, and, uh, you know, who who took a vape. Bathing equipment with hashish into her their country against their law was caught with it and uh sentenced for a an actual crime that she committed <coughs> sentenced to a number of years imprisonment and um that the entire focus it seemed uh was we have to rescue her you know this is like a, a, intolerable that this one one person, we have other people who are imprisoned in Russia, in Moscow right now, in Russia. Uh, one of them, uh, Paul Whelan, is a, uh, an, a Marine, right? And um, he's been there for four years now. He was uh, captured and charged with es- espionage in the, in the year 218, espionage. And he's been in Lafortovo prison, or some say um, uh, also in a work camp. Uh, during those four years and um, the uh, I understand that uh, Trump was even uh, approached about making a deal to have uh, Paul Whelan released in exchange for this very victor Victor boot this merchant of death arms dealer and uh, Russia uh, rather I'm sorry Trump remarked he would not exchange. Uh, Victor Boot for anyone, even a hundred prisoners, he would not release Victor Boot because the man is so dangerous. I mean, Trump realizes that this deal is a very dangerous precedent to set. It says, "Look, you take <clears throat> if if we have somebody you want, just take one of ours and hold him, and we'll trade you. You know, you can get what you want from us. We showed you that. We proved it to you." um and so just become like uh the boko haram in in africa take whoever you want and we'll deal with you Uh, but in this case uh, trump was saying this man is so dangerous if i release him i'm sentencing things to death maybe hundreds of other people who are going to die because he was on the loose and i just can't do that because trump uh contrary to um not only reports but The fact about those who are reporting it, Trump seems to have a conscience, you know. Whereas uh, others don't. Um, Clearly, I mean, but how could you have a conscience if you preside over the death of millions and millions of children in the womb? So uh, why would we expect someone like that to have a conscience, right? But uh, in any case, uh, President Trump was taking the hard line and saying, I cannot release or trade Victor Muth for anyone because he's too dangerous and it will cost others their lives. And I'm sure that uh, Paul Whelan would understand that. As a military man, he would understand, yes, I I do not want to be exchanged at the price of releasing a man like that in the world. Uh, but the idea that the, the, the Biden regime uh, chose to, you know, release this man for a Brittany Griner, well, I mean, as I say, the, the, the Russian media was mocking America and mocking Americans. Um, one commentator even went on Russian uh, uh, news and and said, well, Paul Whelan's problem is that he's an ex-marine, they say. <coughs> Highly decorated. But he, he has also three, three other problems. Like <laughs> the committee he said. <coughs> he has one other problem. No, actually two. No, actually three is what way he put it. He's being very coy. He said, one, he's a man. No, he's a white. He's a white. He's a man and he is heterosexual. And of course, his comment was said, actually, the reason why you would choose a Brittany Griner over a Paul Whelan is not only because he's a decorated ex-Marine. I hope, I hope the, ex- the Marines in our country are paying attention to the fact of who was preferred here and what happened to their, their own fellow ex-Marine who was left behind by the Commander-in-Chief but that this woman, after just, what, four months, was it? How long was she there? Eight months? Nine? nine months? I think 10 months. 10 months, maybe. He's been there for four years, Waylon. Uh, she was there for 10 months. She went over there to, to earn more money because she wasn't satisfied with the money she was making here. But what does she make? A couple hundred thousand dollars a year? That wasn't enough. She had to go to Russia to make more money and take her hashish with her. And... Um, so, but because she is non, non-white because she is non-male and because she is homosexual right? Lesbian those are the qualifications now and the Russian media is just mocking and mocking the, the commentator even said falsely but this is just to kind of rub it in that the American people were asked to vote on which was to be released Waylon or grinder that we had to make this to choice as an american people and we chose as an american people to that Griner should be released and Whalen should be kept in custody i mean this is this is how they they're presenting this to their russian people it's a lie admittedly would the american people have done this i don't know they're certainly letting it happen but uh, the fact is this is the the opprobrium and the disgrace that biden and his gang are bringing upon our own uh, america throughout the world uh, and it's um it hurts it really hurts to see your country dragged through the muck and the mire uh and worse um but you know um i i'm just hoping that uh, there is a decency among the American people are such that they recognize that this is all wrong. And uh, that they they cannot really come to terms and accept it uh, in their hearts, I just hope. Someone told me recently, well look, either there was cheating during the elections, the elections were stolen, or they weren't. If the If the elections were stolen and the American people don't do anything about it, they allow themselves to be disenfranchised, Uh, their votes to be denied, their votes to be uh, falsified, that tells you something about the American people, which is not flattering. If the elections were not stolen, and the American people did actually vote the way the results are claimed, (coughs) if they really did vote, uh, such people into office as are there right now, and in political control, That also tells you something about the American people, which is actually much worse and much more concerning. Uh, So if the votes were were dishonest and the American people just go along with it, accept it, that's a bad sign. If the vote was honest and this is what the American people want, that's a much worse sign. (laughs) Either way, the message is, you know, we have our Blessed Mother in heaven now. Immaculately conceived, uh, her immaculate heart is there, having pre- preserved that absolute innocence throughout her entire lifetime. And uh, she is an advocate for us. I mean, God has sent her, her divine son has sent her to us to plead, to, to, to express to us her motherly concern for us, uh, uh, to protect us even from ourselves, um, that should be very comforting to us. We should turn to her and we should implore her. As uh, children would implore a true mother, a spiritual mother in heaven. Uh, in a sense, Our Lady uh, delivered every one of us, all of us who would be saved and having everlasting life. You might say Our Lady spiritually delivered us, gave birth to us under the cross. Those were her birth pangs. And when her, her divine son was dying and giving birth to us spiritually that the graces would come to us necessary uh, to finally uh, finish this you might say our period of gestation to finally be born into everlasting life uh, so we, we need to, to uh, focus on what God himself has given us we need to focus on what God himself wants us to focus on um, during this time, of course, we, we focus on the divine fulfillment of the divine promise, and that is to send a Redeemer. We know that Redeemer lives, we know he's there, we know he's the Son of God, and he is all-powerful, and we know, ultimately, the victory is his. He, we know, as Christ the King. And so, our whole mission in life is, uh, as our ladies was, To be uh, the servant of the Lord, to be knights, because that's what the word servant is. Knecht in German, means a servant, right? That's where the word knight comes from, to be our Lord's servants and to be waiting and watching watching for him, to be at his service as Christ the King over all mankind, and uh, to first of all be absolutely committed to his service here on earth as our king. Uh, to spread that word and, and to help others also acknowledge our Lord as King. And uh, do that as the very first steps toward then reclaiming the allegiance of mankind to him, to re- restoring mankind to him. Um, this is the meeting of the Immaculate Conception. This is what our, our, our Lord promised. This is what has been put in place for us now. And uh, so we continue to pray every day, well, many times. O Mary, concede without sin. Pray for us, who have recourse to thee.
1: Amen. Can't uh, end with anything better than that. Father, thank you. Appreciate your time. God bless you.
0: Well, thank you, Tim. You too. Take care.
1: Thanks to all of our viewers as well for watching this episode of What Catholics Believe. Until next time, we ask that you all remember the words of Our Lady at Fatima to consecrate yourselves and your families to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and to pray and do penance. Thank you, and God bless you.